Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome all of you who are here today. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. So glad that you are with us this morning, worshiping God. I want to welcome all those who in the 715 area code who are checking us out online today. We're glad you're connecting with us, and we always want you to know it is better in person. And so uh, come check us out. Uh, so I, we want you to, to know this, that we are, here's what we're trying to accomplish every Sunday morning, every time the door is open, every single day, we are trying to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And we just welcome you to join with us in that mission. Will you do that with us this morning? So I, I want to just, uh, before I get started in this mess, I got a re really important announcement. That I, something I'm very, very excited about. I, I'm going to go back here about two months ago. Uh, as you, many of you know, I'm the chaplain for the Walsall Fire Department and I was invited to a presentation that one of the firefighters was going to give to the entire firefighting team. And uh, this gentleman said he wanted to speak about what he considers the hidden epidemic. And so I was very curious to hear what he had to talk about. And he proceeded to talk to all of us, the entire fire department, on the topic and the dangers and the, and the pain that is caused through pornography addiction. And I thought, wow. And he just spoke, just he spoke in a way that was life-giving. And, and so I have invited this same firefighter to come and share with the men of our church. So men, if you would just put it on your calendars for Saturday, October 2nd, we're going to have a men's breakfast. And this gentleman is going to come and share his testimony, his challenge of how he got through this. So I just wanted to make sure you get that on your calendar just as soon as you can. We're looking forward, forward to a great day. And uh, if you're online, check us out. Go to our website at thrive715.com and you can register for that. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll give you a chance to get registered for that. Just wanted to pass that on. So I encourage you to follow along in your sermon notes. I say this each and every week. I just think you get so much more out of the sermon when you're just writing down the notes. How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you are following along with these sermon notes and you found them very helpful? Good, 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 good. You, it just, and you take it home. It's like, what was he talking about there? So uh, I'm excited. We're getting into a new sermon series. And as we just watched here, the 9-11 video, it's just so amazing that yesterday was the 20th anniversary and you, you talk to so many people, and like, I remember where I was at that moment that I found out. Or some of you, you watched the incidents happen uh, as you were watching it on, on television back then. It's just so crazy because of this act of evil by just a few people. So many lives were changed. They say that an entire country, they say uh, an entire world was changed on that day. So many people lost their lives. And so we are, we're going to start a new sermon series. And I'm, I'm going to take a couple weeks, and I'm telling you, this is one of those sermon series that if you, you have a friend that you ha in your workplace or a neighbor that, that you're always talking about those questions of faith or those questions of God, this would be a great time for you to invite somebody. Because we are going to, that's the name of our sermon series, it's called Questions. We're going we're gonna to try to just address some of the questions that people have about faith 
and have about God. And, and I just want you to know, I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a theologian, okay? And I am never going to pretend like I know all of the answers, but I believe, I really really believe when we look in God's word, we find answers to a lot of life's challenges. At least we find direction. Can I say that? We find direction for how to go. And so uh, we're going to be talking about this. Um, and I, and, and I, I, I just I'm going to probably start off each and every message with this scripture verse. It, because this, a lot of times it just drives people crazy when they don't know the answers. I remember when I first went to, uh, to Bible college to study to be a pastor, and I remember our freshman year, and we would go to these classes, and these professors were so smart and so brilliant, and they would present to us questions that we've never faced before. And I remember late nights sitting around with a group of guys in our dorm rooms and wrestling with these questions. And I remember seeing some guys so frustrated that they could not find the answers to some of these questions that I actually saw some people leave their faith and leave, leave their mission altogether. And so, and so I, think, I think it's very important that we understand when we address the questions of life, that we understand God's perspective here. So this is Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And God speaks to us through the prophet Isaiah when he says this. He says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That means God is this thing called infinite, infinite. That means there is no bounds. And what drives us crazy, what irritates us sometimes when we address questions that we have for God is that we do have limits. We do have these bounds. There are certain things that, that we cannot fully grasp. But I want you to know there are some things that we can understand. A lot of, again, God's ways are higher than ours. I, you know what? I, I've, I've talked to some people about this. I don't know if I want to serve a God when I have him all figured out. I don't think I want to have it all figured out. And, and so I think it's very important that when, when we address these things that we understand there are some things we are not going to understand. Can you handle that? Can you handle that? Can you accept that? Today I want to talk about this biggest question. This is one of the biggest questions that people have and, and studies have shown that this is one of the biggest reasons why people reject faith in God is over this question. So I'm tackling the biggest one right off the bat. We're going right at the right, that big question. Why does God allow evil and suffering in the world? You guys ready to go there? Let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to be here. Holy Spirit, I, I do not have all of the answers in this world. And I know that there are those who are here today who are victims of evil. There are those who are here or who are online who are suffering pain. And Lord, I pray that through your word, you would give them peace, that you would bring healing 
that you would give hope through your word this morning. So we pray, Lord, that in this room, your voice would be the loudest voice we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know this. What you believe about God affects every other area of your life. What you believe about God affects every area of your life. Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know when it comes to to evil and suffering. This is one thing I do know that Jesus presents to us in John 16, 33. You ever have one of those scripture verses that is just so unappealing that you just wish it wasn't there? You just wish it wasn't true? This is one of those passages that I wish was not true. When Jesus said, here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How many of you wish that was not in the Bible? How many of you wish that was not a reality? I think all of us this morning, we would I just assume that wasn't there. I just, uh, I would just, I just assume that it would be, uh, in this world, you would have so much pleasant experiences. You would have paradise. But we are currently living in a world just as Jesus said. And some of you are here today and you you are living in the midst of those trials. You are living in the midst of your sorrows. And it's been going on for a long period of time. And still the question remains, why? Why? It's kind of like for you parents when you have your kids and you're driving down the road with your, your child. And what's the number one question that they ask? Why? 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 Isn't it, isn't it interesting how that has not changed in us adults when we go to God? Why? God, why? And some of us, we just want, help me understand. If God created everything, did he create evil? If God created everything, did he create evil? Again, I'm not a theologian, not a philosopher, but I do understand these things. First of all, God did not create the world in its current state. Write that down. God did not create the world in its current state. Let's first look at the character of God. His character says this in 1 John 4, 7, 8. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. We, took a, we did a, a lot of sermon series on that topic of loving one another. But, but he says, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves a child of God and, and knows God, Uh, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So first of all, we need to understand when we look at the, the issue of evil and suffering, does God want that? Did he create that? We need to understand who God is. And John tells us that God is love. God is the definition of love. So any anything that any other definition that we have of love outside of God is it's it's false. It's a false love. We need to understand then, then therefore love comes from God. So if God is love, how can he both love and be evil at the same time? Let me say that one more time. Let me ask that question. If God is love, just like he says is here, how can he both be love and yet be evil at the same time? You see, Scripture makes it clear that at the beginning, God did not create the world in the state in which it is now. Did you know that? If you go back to the very beginning of your Bible, go to the very front pages, Genesis chapter 1. 
Verse 31, it says, Then God looked all over all that he had made. So he's looking down over this earth that he has just created. And what does he say? It is good. It was more than good. It was paradise. That was God's intention, that we would live in relationship with him and we would live in the state of paradise. It was good. However, everybody say however. However. <laughs> How many of you love when, when people tell you a story and then they start the sentence with however, you know it's not going to go in a good direction. However. However, Genesis chapter 3, and then we move forward to Genesis chapter 6. Just a few chapters. We're just still at the very beginning of the book here, okay? We're just moving up here to Genesis chapter 6. And here we have the earth in the state of Noah. And it says here in Genesis 6, 5, and 6, that, that how quickly evil struck the earth as a result of the choices of Adam and Eve. And it said here in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Notice here, it wasn't God created and gave them evil. It was just the people were choosing to do evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had made them. He put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Listen to me. Evil is not something that God rejoices in. Evil and our sin is something that breaks God's heart. Your sin, my sin, the world's sin breaks God's heart. Second of all, we all have the freedom to choose. There is this thing, there's this discussion. Philosophers talk about it. This thing called free will. Mark Middleberg says this. He says, God did not create evil, but he did create evil. He did create us as free beings. Let me say that one more time. God did not create evil, but he did create us as free beings. And thus he created the potential for evil. Because of our free, because of our free will, there's always the potential of evil. And whenever you have evil, you will have suffering. And we see this. We, we see this very clearly that God gives us free will. We see this in probably the most popular, the most important scripture verse in the entire Bible. Move forward here to the Gospels of John, John 3.16, because Jesus tells us this. He says, for God so loved the world. There we go. We see the character of God in action again. He not only tells us that he loves us, he says, for God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his only begotten son. So not only is God love, but he demonstrates love to us by giving us his son to pay the price for our evil. But then catch this. There's a choice to be made. Each and every person in this room has a choice that whoever, whosoever believes in him, you stop right there. That's a choice. Nobody here on this earth is forced to love God. Nobody is forced to follow God. It is a decision, and it's not just a one-time decision. I believe it's a decision that we wake up each and every day and we make. It's a decision that we make throughout the day. It's a decision all day long. We make that decision to follow Jesus, that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, we have a consequence here, and it's a good consequence to follow Jesus. So as human beings, every person in this room has this thing called choice. We have a free will. This is also, the understand, this is the choice that Adam and Eve, remember our great, 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 great grandparents? They were also given this thing called free will. And why did God give them this thing called free will? Because that's the, that's the essence of what love is. Love is always a choice. Love can never be forced upon somebody. Love is a choice. We are not robots. Robots are these computers, these machines that you program them, and they must follow the program. They can't do anything else but follow the program to do what they, what they do. Well, God didn't make us that way. That, what, that's not real love. That's programmed. God did not make us that way. Real love can never be forced. It's always freely chosen. It's always freely given. If you get anything out of this message this morning, grab that. Real love can never be forced. It's always chosen. It's always freely given. And I have this beautiful woman who's here this morning. And I am so glad that she chooses to love me and trust me. There are days I make that very difficult. Some days it's very challenging for her. But oh my word, am I so grateful for her love that she chooses to freely give to me. Should should we just give her a hand this morning because she deserves that? She's going to choose to hit me on the head later on for that. Here's another example quickly here, another example of free will. We had this scripture passage in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus has just given the Sermon on the Mount, and then he talks about these two builders who have a choice. He depicts, he says there is this one builder who's building his house, and he chooses to build his house upon a rock. And then then he goes on to this next builder, and he talks about this builder who built his house upon the sand. Well, life happens, and this storm comes, and this man who built his house upon the rock, the consequences of his choices is his house stands firm in the middle of a storm. And then there's another man who chose to build his house on the sand, and the consequences of that decision is his house was destroyed. And you see, we need to understand that suffering and evil are consequences for breaking God's law. When we try to do life outside of God, when we try to build our house upon the sand, there are always consequences. Let me give you an example of consequences. There's, is everybody hearing me okay? Michael, give me a thumbs up if I'm doing all good. Thank you. There's a law of fire. The law of fire says... If I choose to put my hand into a fire, the law of fire says I'm going to get burnt and it's going to hurt. Nobody forced me to put my hand to the fire. I chose to do it. Let me give you another example, the law of addiction. The law of addiction says if you choose to abuse a substance, continue on a continual basis, whether it be drugs, alcohol, pornography, there will be 
problems. There will be DUIs. There will be work issues. There will be broken relationships, family struggles. There will be divorces. It is the law of addiction. It will consume your life. Let me give you one more. There's the law of relationships. If you choose to act selfishly, greedy, in lust, if you choose to act arrogantly or hot-tempered, you will suffer the consequences in your relationships. We all know this. We all know this. And in all of these, these laws, there is a choice. There is a decision. Free will, God does not make your choices. You do. You make your decisions. Number two, your choices always have consequences for the good or for the bad. There's always an outcome that happens. And the decision to do life without God will always lead to evil and suffering. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me this morning? We're just touching on this subject. Number three, understand when we talk about evil and suffering, where there is sin, the innocent suffer. We touched on that already. But Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. For the outcome as a result of man's sin. We, we all know this. We've all experienced it. As a result of our sin, there are consequences. And one of the consequences is death. Physical death, a relationship death, an emotional death, even a physical death. We know that there are consequences of sin. Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but what is sin? Sin is to go outside the boundaries that God has established. It's to willingly choose. I'm going to go outside these boundaries and I'm going to do what I want to do. So in other words, sin is to transgress those boundaries that God has set for us. So where there is sin, understand this, where there is sin, there will always be pain and suffering. Listen to this. I did a study by Nikki Gumbel, a book called Searching Issues, and he says this. Individual suffering is often caused by the sin of others. Murder, adultery, theft, sexual abuse, unloving parents, drunken driving, slander, unkindness, or selfishness of one kind or another. Some have estimated that perhaps as much as 95% of the world's suffering can be accounted for in this way. Where there is sin, the innocent will suffer. Also in a book by Dinesh D'Souza, What's So Great About Christianity, he notes this. He says, in the past hundred years or so, if you know your history, the most powerful atheist regimes, communist Russia, communist China, and Nazi Germany, have wiped out people in astronomical numbers. Focusing on the big three, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, we have, now, we have to recognize that atheist regimes, government systems that deny the existence of God, have in a single century murdered more than 100 million people. Now, we can look at hurricanes and we can look at earthquakes and stuff, but there is nothing that matches 100 million people. Because where there is sin, where there is evil, the innocent will suffer. Some of you are living examples of that. 
Some of you, you grew up in homes as the sin of your father or the sin of your parents. You experienced suffering. Some of you might be in relationships right now, and as a result, the sins of a loved one, you are suffering. You see, God gave us this list. I call it the top 10 list for living. Old Testament calls it the Ten Commandments. And it's an interesting list if you look at them and how it addresses these issues in life, just simple things. It's interesting how he addresses relationships in the Ten Commandments. If you look at the four, the top four, the first four, you you see that God addresses this relationship with him. And God says, keep this relationship close. Keep this relationship important. Keep it the main thing. And then he goes on to the next six of the Ten Commandments. Look at them sometime. And it talks about relationship with each other. How we need to be honest with each other. How we need to be fair with each other. Isn't it interesting that God says, listen, he sets for us these boundaries. If we would stay in these boundaries, we could eliminate a lot of the suffering and the evil in this world. But it's your choice. Let me continue here. Number four, we live in a fallen world. Why is there evil and suffering in this world? Simply for the fact that we live in a fallen world. A fallen world is this. In Genesis chapter 3, again, going back to our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, they sinned. We know the story. They rejected God for a lie. They wanted to be like God. And so they rebelled against God's simple command. They rebelled against God because they wanted to be like him. Because isn't that really one of the big reasons why we sin? We want to be like God. We want to be our own God. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Genesis chapter 3, 17 and 18. As a result... This is, this, is, this is God reflecting, talking to Adam and Eve after they have been discovered that they have sinned against him. God said to them, the ground will now be cursed because of you. All your life will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. Some of you would just say, amen, that describes my life. But we see in this passage here, what we don't, what we, and at the beginning part of Genesis, when God was looking at the earth and it was all good, and now the earth has changed. We are no longer living in this state of paradise. But some of you, you'll get up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, and you'll start your day again, and you will work, and you will toil, and you will struggle. But not only that, something has happened. We ask the question, why did that earthquake happen? Why, why, why did that hurricane destroy so many people? And the answer is because we live in a fallen world. Nikki Gumbel says this, all sin is the result of sin, either directly as a result of my own sin or the result of someone else's sin, or indirectly as a result of living in a fallen world. We no longer live in a perfect world as God had designed it to be. But because of man's choice, we stepped away and we chose to live in a fallen world. We now live in a fallen world which God had never 
intended for us. Because of these, because the earth is now out of order, we have hurricanes, we have earthquakes, we have tsunamis, we have tornadoes, we have life. We have life. Look at this in Luke chapter 13, 1 through 5. Kind of an interesting story here. Jesus gives an example of what it looks like to live in a fallen world. This is interesting here. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, about this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. These people are worshiping God. Good Christian people, they're just there worshiping God. And Pilate, this tyrant, decides, hey, I'm going to go murder some Christians. I'm going to go murder some people. Murder these Jews just because I can do that. Again, where there is sin, the innocent suffer. Jesus said, do you think these Galileans were worse than sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. He said, in other words, he's saying, do you think they, because they had sin in their lives and God was cursing them, God was punishing them? He's saying life happens. He says, um, and what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you, you will perish too. Again, the consequences of a fallen world means that innocent people are murdered by tyrants. The consequences of a fallen world is that terrorists fly into buildings and light them on fire. People fall to their death. Buildings collapse. People are destroyed. Lives are ruined. Accidents happen. Towers fall. People die. The truth is, we live in a fallen world. The question is, why does God allow evil in the world that causes so much suffering? But I look at the question a little bit different. I, I look at the question, you know, I, I, I look at the answer. If God were to eliminate all evil, wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? And, and I want you to know God, one of these days, is going to eliminate all evil. But wouldn't it be wonderful if God eliminated evil today? Raise your hand if you would think that would be a wonderful thing. But you know what that means? Can I say this? Can I, can I just be real with you? If God were to eliminate all evil today, he would have to eliminate you. Because of our sin, because of our sinful choices, God would have to eliminate us. This morning, again, I, 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 I hope that I am not standing up here arrogantly trying to debate all these things. I, I'm just trying to point out to you what I've discovered in God's Word. And I know some of you are here, and you are in that pain. You are in that suffering. You have been victimized, and you're like, you are not helping me. <laughs> you're not giving me answers. Because when you're in pain, <laughs> you just want it to go away. But I found this. I believe there is purpose in our pain. There's purpose in our pain, and some of you have discovered that. Can I talk about purpose in our pain for just a few moments? I found this purpose in our pain. Pain is sometimes an opportunity 
for growth. And that's easy to say, but James tells us this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Again, one of those scripture passages that we wish we could just take out of the Bible because I don't want to hear it as an opportunity. I just want my pain to go away. For you know that when your faith is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You know, I I just finished up a few months ago uh, a very painful experience. I finished my master's degree. And I don't consider myself a, a studious person. I, I maybe got a little ADD in me. My wife's a kindergartner teacher. I'm sure she's diagnosed that in me. She's maybe pointed it out. I don't know. But that was a painful experience. Painful it was challenging. But all I know is after, after getting my degree, all I know is I grew. I grew through that experience. And, and, and for some reason, that pain or ordeal Sometimes, it, oftentimes it grows us. I discovered that when, when, when pain, when I'm in pain, I have a choice. I have a choice to become either bitter or become better. And I know this, that some people become better, bitter, and I've seen people become so bitter that the pain doesn't go away, that they just, the decision that they make in that is they're going to reject God and they become hard, and they become angry. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're watching online today and you're just, it wasn't fair that God did that. Why did God allow that experience to happen? But I also know that it's an opportunity to become better. I know that there's people like who heard about this lady by the name of Candy Leitner, whose daughter in 1980 was killed by a drunk driver. What an opportunity to become bitter for the rest of your life. I have a daughter. I think I would be tempted to become bitter. But instead, Candy made a decision to make her world better. And she started an organization called Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And has impacted literally thousands of people and, and helped to address this cause that, that we deal with today. And Paul, again, our James tells us, consider it an opportunity for joy. And I think what James has challenged us to do is in your pain, and again, I'm, I'm not, I know it's hard, but maybe what needs to change first is our attitude towards our pain. The second thing that I see is an opportunity, pain empowers us to help others. There's one Bible character that stands out above so many, and this is the Apostle Paul. Here's a couple of things that he went through. He was persecuted. He suffered many beatings. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked, rejected, falsely accused, injustice, you name it. Paul knows if there's anybody in the Bible besides Jesus who knows suffering, it is the Apostle Paul. And yet here's his response in 2 Corinthians 1, 4 and 5. He says, he, talking about Jesus, Jesus comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Did you know that? God comforts you so that you can pass that on to others. When, we are, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Again, I don't understand all the facets about pain and suffering, but I do know that that God, when we allow him, can take our pain and suffering and turn it into his glory. 
God wants to do that in our lives. There's a couple that I became friends with. I was a, a chaplain, a fire chaplain in De Pere. It was just 10 years ago, just last week, called to a house where a young man, a young teenager, decided to take his life. And I was called early to, to show up at that house and to just be with this family while the investigators were, were investigating the scene. If you, you talk about pain and suffering, you talk about a complete surprise as they wake up and find their son in this condition. You can imagine a couple like this destroying their marriage. You can imagine them just becoming bitter, angry at God. God, why did you allow this to happen? You could have stopped it. Da, 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 da. And here this couple, through their pain, decided to start a ministry. Not even Christians yet. By the way, I got to lead Eric to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I got to baptize Eric. And afterwards, Eric started a ministry called Be the Light Walk. And just last night, this is, it's been going on for several years now. It started off with 30 people and has evolved into thousands of people in the Green Bay area. Be the Light Walk now ministers to thousands of people who have lost loved ones to suicide. Pain is often a chance, an opportunity to help others in pain. I'll quickly hear, pain is a great reality check. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I just, here's the reality check. This life we live here on earth is just like that. It's, our home is in heaven. And I just want you to know, God hears your pain. He knows all about your pain. And God, I pray, is working in the midst of your pain. But God is more concerned about your spiritual condition than he is your physical condition. And I have found that my spiritual condition has a direct effect on my physical condition. Let me continue here. I'm almost done. Number four, pain revives our dependency. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And what this does, sometimes pain brings us back to our Savior. It brings us back to where we need to keep our focus is on Jesus. Jesus says to you, come to me. Are you in pain this morning? Are you the victim of evil? Have you been hurt? Are you carrying pain? Are you carrying a wound with you this morning? Jesus invites you to come to him. We may, ne we may never know all the answers that we have in life, but Jesus, the Lord of the universe, says, come to me. Those who are weary, I will give you rest. And so this morning, so we just kind of dim the lights a little bit. I just want to, want to make this a personal time. Maybe you're here this morning. You're watching online and you say, Pastor, I, oh, I got this hurt in my body. I had this wound in my heart. I got this struggle in my mind. And, and you're right. I've been trying to carry it all. It's not fair. And I've been trying to carry it all myself. 
And finally, I'm going to come to you. I may not have all the answers, but I'm going to come to you. Will you relieve me of this pain? If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? Just raise your hand, right? God, I'm hurting. That's all you're saying. God, I'm hurting. All around this room, we call out to a living God who cares. We, have a, we call upon a living God who intervenes and heals. And I pray all around this room, I pray those who are watching online, healing in Jesus' name. Relieve that pain. Heal that broken heart. Restore that broken relationship. Revive that broken mind. Lord, instead of us trying to fix it ourselves, we come to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, when I started off this passage, I started off with the passage, Jesus says, here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Remember that one? Remember, that's the one I don't like. Here's the second part that I do like, okay? He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Can I say that one more time? There's going to be a lot of troubles and struggles on this earth, but take heart. Look at your neighbor and say, take heart. You can take heart this morning. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Some of you just raised your hand for the first time in a long time. So you come into Jesus. But I want to encourage you today, don't just do it here on, on Sunday morning at church. But do it as you go home. Do it as you go in your workplace. Do it as you wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, you have overcome the world. I'm placing my trust in you, the overcomer. In Jesus' name. Some of you are here today. You're watching online and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Jesus created you. Remember what we talked about, Adam and Eve, to live in relationship with you. And God wants you, invites you to surrender your heart to him. Remember, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, just pray along with me right now. Just say, God, I need you. I recognize that you are the God of love. You are the definition of, my, of love. And I may never understand all the pain and suffering in this world, but I choose today to put my faith in you. Help me to understand. Help me to grow in you. I choose today to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the word of God says that all of heaven rejoices when somebody makes that decision. Let's rejoice with heaven right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, God.